everyone and welcome to this special podcast from Melbourne's Ruxcon Breakpoint Security Conference. I'm Patrick Gray. This podcast is a joint production between The Register and Risky.biz and it's brought to you by Packetloop, big data security, post-exploitation detection in the cloud. So head over to packetloop.com to sign up for the beta. This podcast is an interview I did with Acuvant's Joshua Drake, aka JDuck. His Breakpoint presentation was on the topic of Android security. As regular listeners of the Risky Business Podcast would know, we're pretty much convinced Android was rushed to market by Google. It was insecure, immature, way too open, and a big, glaring risk to its users. Combine that with the inherent problems with the Android ecosystem, and, you know, we had what we thought was going to be a recipe for disaster. Now, for those unfamiliar with the ecosystem problems, basically it breaks down like this. Android is very difficult to patch. Android users have to wait for Google to update the the Android operating system, then ship those updates to the manufacturers who customise them for their hardware, and then in turn they have to pass them on to the carriers, who may or may not uh, customise those OS builds for compatibility with their apps, and then they pass the updates out over the air. So a long story short is most of these updates get dropped on the way to the consumer, and most of these Android devices wind up remaining unpatched. Well, things have changed. As Joshua outlined in his presentation, Google has built a lot of exploit mitigations into the mobile OS, and they're starting to look pretty effective. Is it possible that Google has dodged what many saw as an inevitable bullet? I started off by asking Joshua if the dodgy ecosystem is still presenting a threat to users. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. It's it's difficult to say, but uh, definitely a lot of people like to point at it, and it, it definitely seems to be like uh, sort of the root cause of a lot of issues. And you know, it's it's while in itself, it, you know, the ecosystem and the, the way it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. It, it in practice, it does tend to be you know difficult to manage those business relationships. Now, it seems like, uh, you know, Google kind of rushed Android to market because they wanted to capture some of this market share. You know, the iPhone was very successful. They wanted to get basically their version of the same thing out there. And it looks like, yeah, they rushed it and there were these ecosystem problems and the devices initially were quite vulnerable. But it looks like, you know, a lot of these mitigations are kind of getting there. Uh, that, that, that seemed to be something coming through in your talk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think with, uh, with the release of Jellybean, they really is... Uh, are coming to the point where they're pretty much in line with most other modern operating systems. I mean, there's still other issues with, you know, um, supporting older devices and everything else that are still plaguing everyone. Even though, like, you know, the newer devices are going to be more secure out of the box, there's still the problem that people have older devices that are, you know, out of support or, or whatever. But, but this tends to be a self-correcting problem in that most people refresh the devices every two years, right? Yeah, the people that refresh often will have less problem. And I, I definitely, uh, while I don't like to advocate, like, you know, giving the money to the people that have created the problem, uh, you know, it, it is nice. Uh, people will enjoy new phones because the new phones, you know, the, the hardware platforms are com- constantly evolving too. So we have quad-core phones out now and stuff like that. So people are going to like the new phones anyway. Uh, and refreshing... You know, it, it probably doesn't happen as often as it, it necessarily should, and it's definitely not as often as the people who are you know creating the devices and everything would like for it to happen. But uh, it certainly will correct the problem, you know, over time. Uh, 
it, it remains to be seen how long it might take, though, before the uptake uh, really happens. Well, it's funny, isn't it, when you look at, um, you know, just you pick up an Android device and you look at the browser and, you know, everything, and it's all this, you know, developed by the Android team within Google. But you've got this weird situation now where you can download and install, like, the latest Chrome browser, which ships with its own version of WebKit. Because one, one of the biggest, most glaringly obvious problems with early Android devices was that you would have to wait for Google to update WebKit and then wait for the carriers to sort of twiddle it and, you know, make sure that it was okay and then roll it out to their customers, which they never did. But now you can actually directly update Chrome, which is kind of funny because it's the Chrome team that's responsible for these updates, not the Android team. So what does this sort of tell you about the way Google generally organize things? Oh, boy, that's a hard question. I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure really how to answer that. But, uh, but it just seems a little bit disjointed, doesn't it? It's definitely disjointed, but I think that any time you have like such a huge project such as Android, you're going to end up with segregated teams, you know, five or six people, and they're just going to focus on one thing, right? Like, there are going to be some guys who do nothing but WebKit, or there are going to be some guys who do nothing but develop on Bionic, the library underneath everything, um, you know, the LibC library. So, I mean, it's normal, but I think that Google, as a company, probably has recognized that WebKit is one of those things that's, um, you know, a big liability on Android for for drive-by download exploits and stuff like that. I think it makes perfect sense that they've gone this route. I mean, I think it's a real creative solution because... Um, well, it would strike me as the obvious solution, the fact that they were pushing WebKit updates like through the carriers and stuff. It just seemed kind of backwards, right? It, it does in a, in a way, but at the same time, uh, you know, the way that the system is designed, web, like WebKit is loaded into every process that runs pretty much. I mean, not every process, but every application process that runs. And so, you know, um, even if you don't use WebKit in your, in your app that you create, it's still going to be in your address space. Uh, just because it takes a long time to load, they only load it once in the beginning, and then, you know, they keep forking, and, and so the new processes always just have it. Um, to update that, like, you know, it's going to require a reboot because it's going to be opened by everything. In this particular case, with Chrome for Android, the nice thing is is they can update it, but the, the problem is even though they've updated WebKit for Chrome for Android, all the other things like the traditional Android browser that's still there or like a Twitter client that has like a advertising display or something, that's still going to use the system WebKit that's still there. So it doesn't actually update system-wide WebKit, but just for the browser. Now, you just mentioned um, the possibility of drive-by downloads for Android, and of course they're possible, but we haven't really seen any widespread attacks. I mean, we've even seen, uh, you know, the flashback worm hit OS X and hose 600,000 systems. We haven't seen anything like that happen to Android yet. Why is that? That's a difficult question to answer as well. I think, um, I think one of the things that poses a problem to attackers is, um, you know, that the devices are all so different from each other, even though there are so many of them. You know, it's a, it's a majority market share at this point, you know, with over 50% of people who have mobile devices having Android. Um, so that sort of is like a critical mass where attackers definitely are going to start taking a closer eye to Android. But at the same time, they're going to run into a lot of the difficulties that I've run into over the time. Uh, problems with debugging, problems with the tool chain, the fact that all the devices are you know, slightly different from each other. Um, things, things just get really complicated really fast due to the diversity uh, of the device pool. I guess what I'm getting at, at with all of this is that it just seems that Google's kind of been a little bit fortunate to dodge this particular bullet and we're getting to the point now where a lot of the mitigations you outlined in your talk look like they're going to be pretty effective. So 
to what degree do you think they've actually dodged this bullet? Could it be that within a couple of years, you know, the perception of Android as being kind of wide open will be gone and that it will be considered a, a reasonably secure platform? I think it's already, if you look at the newer versions, I think you can say that already. Like, it's it's reasonably secured. It's, you know, it's in line with uh, sort of the best practices that are industry-wide on operating system security. So, I mean, I think that it's already that way. It's it's uh, it's just the, the problem of, you know, uptake and the device versions that's still happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think to some extent they may have dodged a bullet, but I think that there's still a lot of uncertainty and risk that's in the ecosystem. Um, you know... With sort of rogue apps and things like that. Well, I mean that that's always going to be there, and uh, I don't think that Google's ever going to close down the the whole app th- thing. They may get to the point where they do something similar to Apple, where they do you know extensive manual reviews and stuff like that. But I, I don't think they'll ever get to the point where they're going to require code signing. I don't think they're going to get to the point where um, you know they don't want people to develop anymore for it. They want it to be very. A very low barrier to entry for you know developers in general, and because of that, you know attackers also have a, a bit of a lower barrier to entry. All right, Joshua Drake, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Patrick.